All right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Brenton Productions. Here we are, here we are. Welcome to it, you guys. Two Guys Garage. Two guys being me, Willie B, and my knucklehead across the way. Hit it, Kev. How are you today, man? Right on, man. I am proud of that knucklehead, by the way. I'm, I'm totally cool <laughs> with that. <laughs> Knuckle buster, knucklehead. It's all part of the program. That's Dude, right. you wouldn't believe my knuckles. I've been working on my... Cars to Christmas stuff of late. Man, I'm telling you, I fought a ball joint in Explorer last night forever. You guys at Ford, man. For those of you who don't know, Kevin's deep into the Ford program. And uh, if you could pass the word on to him, uh, maybe a particular engineer or three, about the uh, ball joints in the new Explorers. They're tough, man. They're tough. So we should make them weaker? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? So they fall uh, apart quicker? Yeah, yeah. To make them easier to get out, oh. as well as the rack and pinion. <laughs> right. uh, for those of you that haven't heard, I do a, uh, a program called Cars for Christmas, where I give away uh, cars to needy families, and that's what I'm working on. Hence the reference. So, Kevin, A, I'm stoked about the podcast, and to think that we're going to be talking to one of the main, if, when you think about blocks and aftermarket and, you know, stroker and crate engines and big high horsepower stuff, man, you know that, that Ted Keating is, is a name talked about. You know, you know, Rich Richard slash Dick Maskin, the man to myth the legend that started building stuff in his own shop and garage, you know, that would rival, you know, some of the big manufacturers back in the day. Here's a guy that has made a living increasing the strength and durability from what us guys on the OE end can put these blocks through, you know? Oh man, and it's and it's all about quality control, right? Just so we talk about getting good castings, it's good machining, it's the whole way through, right? From start to finish. Yeah. But what they're doing right in the aftermarket is giving us more of what we want as you know performance guys versus trying to leverage something out of the OE and do something different than it was intended to do, right? Make 1,200 or 2,000 horsepower, whatever, right? Yes. So they're making us components specifically geared to the you know to the gearhead guy, right? Big thick right, bulkheads, right. four bolt main, six bolt main caps, right? All the structure that you want, and then all the quality and the prep and everything. So boom, you can pull one out of a bag and start building up something awesome. Yeah, man, that was the name. If you know, if you were a serious hot rider back in the day, I recall this like you know my friends would they bring over their big bad you know Chevys. And, it, and, you know, you start throwing around, hey, what you got under the hood? And there was this level, right? This level that was reached or even surpassed once you went from, you know, my 427 or my Stroke 454 into, oh, I got me a dart block. It's a 555 or a 582 uh, or 600 plus cubic inches. And all of a sudden, dude, these guys are making monster horsepower. And the range seems like, you know, you pick a number and you could, you could find these dart components that would hold it and handle it. It, you know, so I'm pretty stoked to have this guy on. 
Yeah, Ted Ted has been around for so long. I've known this guy forever. I mean, he almost doesn't need introductions. Uh, and, and he's just like the face of Dart, the most easygoing, coolest guy, motorhead. Um, I, I think we got to get him on. And you and I both have had issues in our past with blocks and cylinder heads. I mean, we come from an era where if you wanted horsepower, you had to go out to a junkyard and find a certain set of heads. For us Mopar guys, it was like 906 heads, right? If you could find those, you were doing well, you know? I know you had a bunch to choose from. Oh, yeah, you know, small block Chevy, double hump, you know, like these oh, yeah. little magic heads that were supposedly better than these other ones. You know, same thing with blocks, right, man? Like you're saying, back in the day, you had to go scour a junkyard, I mean, full of rust and junk, right. trying to find some diamond in the rough, right? And and I don't know, I've got a couple stories, right? I mean, I, I picked up a, a four-bolt main, small block Chevy block, right? You know, everything looks cool and all, and you get it back to the shop, you get it all stripped down, and, oh, it's got a hole in the cylinder. Ooh. Right or, I think I picked up another motor thinking it was a small block Chevy and a, you know a 350 and it was a 400. You know just like right. oh man and you're chasing you're chasing down right this little needle in a haystack sometimes right right and uh, it's so much easier today it, it's not even funny yeah man just the technology that's out there and how they are making the architecture the construct of a of an engine block nowadays is so far superior than what we had. Back in the day, man, for for us Mopar guys, you know, obviously the you know uh, the Holy Grail would be the 426 Hemi, but who finds those in junkyards? Nobody, you know. But the 440, you know, for me, I was always fortunate to find them in C bodies, the bigger Chrysler Imperials, you know, Dodge Monaco's, and so forth. And if if it just so happened on a 74, 75, 76 with the right casting number, they were a little thicker in some places that made it fun, you know, for nitrous applications and so forth. But like you said. It was knowing what you were looking for, having a chance to find a needle in a haystack. But wow, did it require some real elbow work, some grease, and just, you know, a Saturday and Sunday, not caring what your clothes look like at the end of the day, you yeah. know? You know, and then you're looking for, like, wall thickness and a cylinder wall. Like, all right, do I have core shift? You know, how much how much overboard can I get in this block, right? How much will it take? Yeah. You know, and then if you try to go stroke the thing, right, it's just crashing into all sorts of stuff, right? There was no provisions Right, for what we're trying to do is maximize displacement, right? Bigger bore, bigger strokes. Yeah. It's funny you say you say core shift. A lot of people I bet are unaware what that is, man, but you can you can go back to the mid seventy casting Mopars and see a quarter inch of material on one side of the camshaft, right, where the, the bearing sits, right? And the other side, you know, they'll be double that or le- or less than half. It's it's so weird how things move. During that that pouring prospect, or during that aspect of a you know when a block is first poured, yeah, I mean from a from a casting right, you've got a bunch of sand cores making the shape, and you pour molten hot metal in it. Well, that sand is held together by glue, so in, in some sense, the heat is starting to you know make that glue kind of soft and jelly, and right water jackets are real small and thin, and they just kind of start to warp and move around a little bit. So you get core shift just from, let's say, the casting process and all that heat. But then when you're done, all you have is, you know, there's no machine surfaces. There's nothing flat. It's all organic-looking castings. So then you have to grab it somewhere and go, okay, where is my deck face? Where is my crank bore? Where are my cylinders? And you could grab it and start machining it a little bit off to the left, a little bit off to the right, up or down, 
Right, so then you can create shift just trying to get it from my casting to start machining. Yeah. So you can imagine, right, you you baked in, you know, three millimeter cylinder walls, and the next thing you know, you got one and a half on one side and four and a half on the other, right? Right. So you go to overbore it, and now you got a real thick and thin section, and you're ready to blow that thing out, right? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, find just that casting process so unique because I remember once you told me, and I believe it was like in 2016 when I really dove in, to some of these diesel applications coming out of the forward side where I learned a lot about that, you know, that cooling process. Once that casting is poured, what happens molecularly on, you know, on the first number of blocks compared to the ladder pours down the road, how they would weaken because of the way that steel and, and so forth, how those molecules sort of combine. And it was called, I think, gray matter or something like that. Yeah, compacted graphite iron. So there's all kinds of irons and, and you know, go back in the 60s and 70s and there's all kind of legends about, oh, this is truck iron, you know, or right, this right. has some high nickel. This is high a nickel, nickel block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right? was a big thing. So there's different alloys you can put into cast iron, just like aluminum and steels, right, to give you, you know, different variants. But in cast iron, yeah, there's a good variety. Now, most of them are, you know, let's say the cheaper gray iron you can get into sometimes called trucker iron, truck iron. So it's got a little bit more continent. But CG iron, you'll start to hear of in, in racing and very limited production. Uh, it's graphite is in there, and it's formed more like, a, let's say, coral reef inside you know, the cast iron versus these little shavings that look like maybe you take a bar of soap and cut off with a knife, right? These shavings have you know, sharp little you know, uh, you know, shapes to it. So a crack can form along that soap shaving. You know, work its way yeah. across a little bit of gray iron and then to another soap shaving, and it can form a crack across the part and fail. But com compacted graphite has this coral shape, right? It's just more structurally strong, right? Keeps the crack from growing so fast. But you got to add something like magnesium. So you put magnesium in and it's burning off. So you put it in the vat, you pour a couple of blocks, and you got too much magnesium. Then you get the middle batch where it's perfect. And you get this perfect coral-shaped CG iron. But by the end of the batch, all the magnesium's vaporized out of the vat, and now you're back to the cheap iron again. So really, really hard to do in uh, high-volume production, but the racers have been kind of playing with it for a long time. And you'll see it in, like, yeah. you know, NASCAR blocks and, right, the, the diesel, the Ford 6.7. That's yep. a CG iron. Like, super, super strong stuff. It's really awesome, but very tricky to do. Yeah, really interesting how they stumbled upon it. Because all these warranty jobs were coming back after, you know, they saw that the first number of pours, you know, out of a vat would last, you know, 500,000 miles. And the last pours out of a vat would last 150,000 miles. Well, huh, that raises the question, what's going on during that pouring process? Yeah. And there you go. These guys figured it out. It was like, okay, how do we make that stronger and how do we get that across the entire pour? Yeah, it's all quality control. It's really neat. At least some of the systems I've seen. Right, they have a smaller vat, and uh, they'll take a test sample. They'll know exactly what's in there, and then they'll shoot like you know a welding rod, essentially, like you would MIG weld something. They'll shoot rod in there, and of course it melts, and it's the right alloying agent, right? And then they pour, 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 pour. You know, a couple of blocks, cool. Then they scoop another ladle of hot metal, do a test sample, squirt the wire in there. So they're doing smaller batches out of a big bat. Kind of cool. 
Yeah. Wow, man. All right. Well, look, we'll, we got to take a break now, but when we come back, all right, one of the enthusiasts, one of the guys that has made a living not just on the track, but off the track and aftermarket support, making sure the guys like you all listening that feel out this show have horsepower numbers that you could achieve and run on a regular basis due to some of these, you know, these big time components. You know, when you think dark blocks and dark, dark cylinder heads, you're thinking, you know, King, the crown. You know, that's the name that gets you a little credit, you know, a little street credit for sure. So let's take a break. We'll come back. Have Ted Keating on from Dart. Back in just a minute on Two Guys Garage Podcast. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, welcome back to Two Guys Garage Podcast. We are stoked because when you think Dart, right? Like I was saying a minute ago, Kevin, I remember going back to the street races, and when dudes upgraded from an OE, like a big block 454 that he might have had a stroker kit in, right, to I got Dart underneath there with a, you know, a 565 or a 582, or, you know, they had the latest and greatest from Dart. You just knew that car was going to scream. You just knew it had more there than what you ever sort of you know could have hoped for in oe dressing right so it's great to have ted on ted appreciate you joining us on the podcast man welcome to the show thank you willie we i appreciate it it's uh representing dart with uh on the two guys podcast is pretty cool uh you heard here it's you know dart's got 37 years of history in hardcore racing so this is our this is our forte. Yeah, man. You know, last year we got really deep into a LS Next block that you guys sent us down and helped us, you know, in the ARP engine build. And we thought, you know, when we were throwing it around, both Kevin and I right out of the gate, and Kevin could testify to this. We were like, oh, we gotta have we gotta have a dark block. You just gotta have a dark block. <laughs> it was a must. I mean, what else are you gonna start with though, right? I mean, there aren't very many players, and Dart's kind of the king of the hill. And when you're thinking about, right, we did a, a big inch LS naturally aspirated engine. And when you think about getting a lot of cubic inches, I mean, there's not really anywhere else to go. And a starting right. point like that, oh man, big bore, big stroke. I mean, it just opens up to put a nice set of heads on there and really flow that thing. And we made, out of that motor, uh, we only had so much time on the dyno, and we made, what, 684? 684, man. Naturally aspirated, which is unbelievable. That's that's power adder central, like, you know, five to eight years ago. You know, you had to get a power adder to come up with a number around 700, which is amazing. And, and Ted, I know you had, you know, a lot to do with that. How long have you been with Dart? Is it, is it crazy for you to watch Dart grow and morph into this company that we now rely on for all this performance and, and horsepower? Well, it is. And, and Dick Maskin is still the, the mad scientist, uh, the guy with all the ideas behind the scenes. You know, he, he puts those products together and kind of fantasizes about what he really thinks they should be. And then and we help them on the floor create the product into what it's supposed to be and push it into the marketplace. And, and like Kevin said, you know, why wouldn't you just start with a dart block? It's bore and stroke. It's all there to put an overbore in it and put a big stroke in it and put 
a massive head on it with uh, expanded head bolt pattern. It's all there meant to make power. Well, and 700 is just like scratching the surface, right? That's that's a big NA number. But let's say you want to go boosting, right? I mean, you're only going to boost an LS, you know, factory block so much before you blow the thing out. You you stick those steel billet caps underneath there, right? And those big mains and the way you guys have kind of addressed all the structure in there. And you can throw, I mean, mega power at something like that. And you can feel good about it and not be nervous every time you go hammer on the throttle. Yeah, Big main structure in there is huge. It's it's very very stable. Pull the cross breathing out. Put the cross bolt mains in it. Put the head bolt bosses deep into the block so that you can torque them and they don't move. It doesn't pull. The bores are are solid. It, it's really a nice block to build power with. Yeah, man, Kevin. Like you were saying, they offer the uh, the six bolt for clamping force when you think ahead. People adding power, nitrous, you know, boost or whatever, you know, on a, on a factory LS block, you'd lift that head, you know, after a certain amount of boost. Well, not with the LS next block. You got a, you know, you got an extra boat on top. You have extra support that increases the clamping force. That is the only way to go if you're going to make big power out of an LS setup. It really is, man. And they're just, they're true and tested. You know, you got something you could put a lot of steam to when it's got dart written on the side of it. Yeah, another another project we worked with these guys a long time ago, we did a Factory 5 uh, 33 Roadster. And, man, you came down and helped us on the build. Uh, we started with your short block, which is a great way to, as a an engine builder, rather, you know, whether you have a, a business doing engines and you want to get a little bit more throughput, right? These guys can deliver you a short block. Or you're that DIY guy, right? When you show up with a short block that's already built by a professional, right, all the clearances are right, Everything's stacked right up, and you can just add your cylinder heads and your cam and your valve train, stuff that's a little more easy for the DIY guy, the mechanic, to do, Like, but you still have that pride. That's kind of a cool setup uh, that we did several years ago you guys are still doing, right? Yes, we, we still offer short blocks in a cast and a forged application, but uh, Kevin, as you say, you know, we really take the heavy lifting off the table. We gap the rings. We hone the block. We install the cam bearings. We do those things that are very difficult for the DIY guy to do at home that requires all those specialty tools, micrometers. You know, we deck the block, we finish it, we wash it. It comes in a bag, in a box. It's really a beautiful, sexy piece when it comes to you. And, it, you know, really makes it easy. And it doesn't take the engine builder out of the, out of the equation because we have a lot of engine builders that use it as a last-minute buy on some of our cast assemblies just because they need to meet, you know, a timeline and they can't afford to call six different vendors. Yeah, man. One great thing about your blocks, I've ordered your, I've ordered that shiny, sexy piece of machinery that he's talking about. It. I've had it showed up. You know, it is gorgeous. You always want to, when you start an engine build, you always want to start cleaning the block. And when you get it back from your regular machine shop, it's always filthy, dirty. You have to wash every aspect of it, clean all the journals out, blow it all out of the air hose, make sure it's all lubed down and everything's just perfect with the block. When you get it from Dart, Man, you could wipe on that thing with, with the softest Charmin toilet paper ever, and you won't find a stitch of dirt or anything on it. It is, it is ready, ripe, and, and uh, I mean, it's one of those things where you really get it, and you're like, ah, I've been waiting on you. <laughs> That's a testament to our employees and, our, and the people that work at Dart. Those are very, very compassionate individuals. They're not just people we hire because they can spell engine. They're people we hire because they love engine. They love it. 
Well, how much how much customizing can you get as far as you know surface finishes and bore diameters and things like that? We can pretty much meet what somebody wants. If they call us and they want to get real tight on a on a piston to wall clearance or an RZ or an RPK, we can do all that. You know, if they want a specific cone, we can meet that need. We have the latest equipment to to, to meet those demands. And same thing with the deck and a deck surface and an RA in the deck. So if I call in and, and I want to do a, a multi-layer steel head gasket versus a composite gasket, you guys can prep that just for me? Yep, absolutely. We do that for Mercury Marina all the time. We're going to charge for it, but we can do it. That's all right, <laughs> man. If I get what I need and it's right, game on. Yeah. Yes, yes, right. And you don't have to return it. When you get it, it's done. Correct. That makes, yeah. a, that makes a huge difference. Now, now, we've been talking about castings and stuff for a while, but... You know, what's been kind of hitting the scene the last few years, guys going for big power, big inches, a lot of customization. I've been in your newer facility, which is pretty awesome, and uh, you guys are cutting a lot of billet stuff. Uh, the billet market, you know, there's a lot of people in the market. It's getting crowded, but I still say that uh, we're one of the premier uh, entities that cut billet parts. People call us on a regular basis, and uh, that billet technology with the CAD design that we do in-house really gives our people opportunities to dream. And, and we've built some odd stuff that's pretty unique for the comp racer, for just the guy that wants to have something different. And we like to do the block and the cylinder head. We have some local folks that help us out in the intake manifold side where it's really just not our specialty, but we like to do the block and the heads. We once we have the head bolt pattern down, we have the cam position and the lifters, it all transitions into a nice performance package. So, Ted, when when you were first watching and witnessing some of these billet blocks, you know, move down the production line, you know, because there's guys out there running 700 plus cubic inches nowadays. It's insane. When when you see these, how does that make you feel knowing this is something that you guys have had your hands in for a number of years? And again, this is something when people think billet blocks, billet heads, and so forth. A, why should they get them together? B, what's the difference in the process? If somebody were there watching the billet uh, being, you know, cast being made, right, and being watch, watching it get cut on and so forth, as opposed to the regular traditional steel block. Just walk us through the differences in how you guys make, manufacture, and, and produce that block. Well, I'm going to step back a little bit, and I, I may get a little lengthy in my conversation, but Dick started this uh, with my help. I helped him uh, almost 14 years ago, and the idea was to make it more of a commodity-accessible part. It used to be really inaccessible and untouchable from a cost standpoint, and we were able to come up with a process that gave people this opportunity to make what they wanted, uh, in an engine platform, put the bore space uh, in wherever they wanted, the deck height. I mean, they really had an opportunity to dream. And then give it to them in a reasonable period of time and a reasonable price. And and have it be fixable or weldable. Uh, we worked on the alloy. We worked on the process. We, we worked on the machining. Um, these are all internal processes that we utilize. And we try to keep as much as we can proprietary. But at the end of the day, Willie, the cool thing about it is, and, and you're right, there's a lot of pride. It goes back to washing those blocks. Um, at the end of the day, we build almost 100 billet blocks a year. Wow. 
<laughs> and we don't see him come back. Well, Ted mentioned it. You know, why would you do a billet block? You know, if I can get a casting, why would you do a billet? And he, and he kind of touched on the points, right? Like, one, you can make it any size and shape that you want. Now, granted, you got to get all the, the intake manifold and the crank and them. But if you're spinning some, some dough, right, and you're going out for the win, right, you can create the engine of your choice. You're not limited to what Chevy made and Ford made and, you know, you can go make what you want. You can move stuff around. But then, you know, the material itself, right, it's a little bit more, uh, say, durable in a way. Like if you throw a rod out the side, can they kind of bounce around sometimes and you weld them up, fix them up, or are they? They do bounce around. And, and to, without getting real technical, the, the material is very, very stable and durable. It, it doesn't always break and it doesn't always twist. Um, it, it just, it's so strong. It, it's got such a nice heat treat to it that, you know, it overrides the aluminum rod almost two to one. So we do see blocks come back where they've had a, a structural failure occasionally and it, and it's minimal and it's easy to, to repair. Aluminum is repairable. Cast iron is not. And again, when you have the opportunity to, you know, think outside that box and you want to build a specific engine of, of your choice with a deck height and an intake manifold or system that you want to put on there, you get to put that all around that box, make it into what you want, and then have it be a real performance-based product that if you have a problem, we can repair it. I mean, I got to ask, what's the biggest one you've ever been requested <laughs> to make? Come on, Ted, what is it? So uh, a V12 LS inline. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What? My imagination just went wild. Put two together, but yeah, that's, you know, people get to dream. Wow. We've done left bank big blocks. We've done, you know, inline three, B6, uh, inline six, uh, you name it. And, and we're not the only ones that do that. There's other people that get real creative. But when you do that, you have to get all the components that fit in it. So, you know, the guys that really know what they're doing, they, they kind of design it from the inside out and make sure that the cam and crank and you know those components are available and somebody's got to build a cylinder head for a v12 and it may be four pieces but somebody's still got to build build it well let's talk about cylinder heads because a lot of people are aware of what you guys do on the block aspect but you guys you know your card you're called dart cylinder heads you know it's it's like that's how you guys really kind of, you know, cut your teeth and came to be. And you guys still to this day are ripping some of the best and baddest cylinder heads out there. When, you know, again, when you pair that up with a, a dart block, you got a, a, you know, a wicked, wicked combination. You know, dart machinery, I, I say 37 years, uh, Richard grew his company out of cylinder heads, making cylinder heads. And that was the core business for a long time. And, and the, and the block thing came on with some new products and it kept growing and it's expanded. Not that we don't sell cylinder heads. We still sell a lot of cylinder heads, uh, probably well over 30, 35,000 a year. Um, and what we're really known for is putting cylinder head and performance packages together with, with intake manifolds or intake systems and blocks, aligning the valve train, getting the valve train to be happy in that engine, making sure that the lifter placement and the rocker geometry is really happy so it doesn't come apart you put a, a big chief race port head in there and you have a very long push rod and you get bad angles not to stay together very long and once we're able to do that then we're able to look at the, the actual intake and exhaust port and design them 
without the encumbrance of having a push rod stuffed in the middle of the porch. So our people in-house are very, very good at that, and they're very insightful at asking the right questions where we get the right information back to give the customer what they're looking for. Oh, that's all That's all great yeah, man. stuff, man. Oh, I'm getting jazzed up just thinking about that V12. <laughs> now, <laughs> speaking of jazzed up, we've got a huge Mopar fan on the other side over here. Um, and you got to tell us, <laughs> what are you doing with uh, Gen 3s? Well, we're always looking at new products and and we've had the small block, big block Chevy for how many years now? <laughs> All of them. Yeah, and I think we've sliced that pie pretty well. We're good at it. It's time to step outside the box and we put a lot of new energy into the Gen 3 Hemi, looking at the 5.7 all the way up into the 6.4, uh, taking the knowledge and the, the insights that Dick Mask can put into the LS block, uh, you know, looking at cooling, looking at duck heights, uh, cylinder head placement, how it's placed on, on the block, you know, what the water needs to look like, what the head bolt structure needs to look like, where the cam really needs to be. And we've done a lot of uh, analysis with all those attributes. We came up with a really nice, well-designed Gen 3 Hemi that we're going to come out with in iron first and and in aluminum second, where it'll, it'll take a Ford 300 stroke with a Ford 250 bore, uh, we're going to add some deck to it. We give it a little uh, material on the on the valley side of it where the cam can be shifted. I'm sorry, the lifter bank can be shifted a little bit to get the push rods out of the way to have a better port. Change the uh, uh, oil system around a little bit. If you understand the oil system, the main oil feeds underneath the cam, which is right in line with the large stroke crank to knock that thing right out of commission. So we move that over to the left. So we don't have to worry about stroke clearance. We've done some really nice things to help the performance aftermarket guy build a 450-inch Gen 3 Hemi. I'm surprised our listeners even heard anything you said because all I could hear was heavy breathing from Willie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, that makes a guy like me really happy to know that these guys are stepping over into the Mopar world and making some aftermarket blocks that we could really throw some steam at. It's really a nice part, and you know the advent of CAD design. You can look at everything on on the screen. You can get it printed. You can touch it. You can pre-assemble it before you cast it. You know those are great advances in our company, and and just with technology that we we welcome that makes us or gives us that opportunity to build a better part. Yeah, man. Well, I can't wait to uh, to be a test dummy for some of them better parts in that Gen Three Hemi stuff, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's. We're excited as well, and we have we have a lot of a big customer base that's very excited. It's and again, it's nice to step out outside our box a little bit. Well, you got a couple of extra happy customers right here. I can tell you that. Keep it up, Ted. Keep it up, man. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's always great to have anybody represent Dart on our podcast, on our show. And believe me, man, you yep. guys are. Our one stop, when we think, you know, aftermarket and we think of blocks and what kind of engine we're going to build this year, it always starts with you guys at Dart. So thank you a ton, man, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you again, Ted. Well, we appreciate it. Bird, thank you very much. You know, we love you guys. Thanks for the support.
Right, man. You take care. All right, Ted. Thanks, man. Ted Keating from Dart. There you go, man. Dart, again, one of those leading names when it comes to engine blocks, when it comes to cylinder heads. If you think performance, you think, you know, aftermarket support, right? And just a name that's tested, tried, and true, you got to think Dart, man. That made me pretty fired up when I think that Dart could be diving into the world of Gen 3 Hemis, man. You got to think that's going to that's gonna lend itself to some huge Hellcat gains. Man, you have to be on cloud nine. And that is huge information for a, a giant Mopar guy. I mean, I'm excited, and I'm not necessarily the most biggest Mopar guy, you know? Yeah, man, but you got to imagine with that application, especially when they take it to 6.2s, 6.4s, right? That allows, you know, guys with Hellcats who, you know, they're getting a high number. They're, they're making those things as fast as people could buy them. So there's a bunch of them out there. Imagine Dart aftermarket support and Hellcat applications dude that is that's a that's a recipe for some nasty out on the street i mean it's crazy horsepower is a hellcat's throwing out there in the elephant yeah there's more to be had right yeah. and and, yeah. and they're right there to support it you know and dude they're right here in detroit area i've been over their new facility a couple of times and it is awesome i mean the number of machines how big they are all the stuff that they're pumping out i mean it's mind-blowingly cool you got to yeah, come man. up. Next time you're up, dude, we're getting you a tour. <laughs> dude, I will take that tour and smile the entire way, man. So, all right, any big plans for the weekend? What are you working on? Man, it is winterizing. How many people yep. out there are winterizing stuff? Like, I've got boats, right, cars, hot rods. It's all got to get, you know, tucked away and cared for. Uh, it's kind of sad. I mean, but it's cool because you're doing your thing with your stuff. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm tucking it away. I'm putting it to bed. I'm not going to wake this thing up for months, you know? Right. How about well, you? You know, you think about some of the fuel combos, E85, for example, that's one of those those things on winterizing your vehicle. If you got a performance car and it's on the E85, well, that gunks up, you know, and it grabs moisture out of the air. It's, you know, kind of known for the longer you let it sit, the worse ramifications will happen. So that's big, whether it's boats, whether it's cars on the E85, whether it's performance-based stuff, man, winterizing a vehicle or an engine for that matter. Is it takes some time here out here, man? I got <laughs> I got twenty cars I got to winterize, so I, man, I understand and feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But you know the the trade off when you live you know kind of up north and you got the winter months is you put all the toys away and you can't really play with them in that regard. But it's time to clear out the shop and get some serious projects going, right? Yeah. So it's like, man, how much can I get done in the next like four months or so and be ready for spring? So it's kind of a different excitement level, you know. Amen. We'll keep up, you know, your excitement level in Detroit. I'll do the same thing here in Colorado, man, for Two Guys Garage. We look forward to seeing you here, obviously, with the podcast and also on Motor Trend TV. That's our network. You can check us out each and every weekend, our TV show, Two Guys Garage, where we hopefully teach you a thing or two, give you some tips, some tricks. Uh, and we have some really cool platforms, some really cool engines, and I'm really excited for the last of our shows this year where we take to the dyno and put down some, hopefully, some big numbers on our respective builds. Mine's a little streetcar. Yours is a little bit more track-oriented, but, man, these engines are going to rip. Yeah, man. Make sure to check out those final episodes to see the big power numbers and the big grins on our faces. There you go, man. <laughs> Till next time, Two Guys Garage Podcast. All right, all right. We're wrapping up. A big thanks to our guest today, Ted Keating president of dart cylinder heads and blocks that guy is so awesome man this is kevin bird hey and this is willie b thanks to our, our producer scoop also executive producer bob ecker 
Two Guys Garage Podcast is produced by Britain Productions in association with iHeartMedia. Copyright 2019, Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. And don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share your thoughts with us on social media at Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. We'll have to catch you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.